Thank you, Brother Royce, Ms. Lois, orchestra. Thank you so much. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. By the way, can I encourage you in your Bible reading uh, with our schedule? We encourage you to stay faithful to the Word of God. And I hope that that tool is being useful and helpful for you. But any tool is only good if you use it. Yesterday, I had to replace a toilet seat uh, here at the church. By the way, that's what being a pastor looks like, is replacing toilet seats. And uh, I had to tighten it up, and I realized I needed a wrench. Now, I have a lot of wrenches at my house, a whole lot of wrenches. I've got a big mechanics-type toolbox in my garage, and I've got tools in there, and uh, long ago in a galaxy far, far away, I used to be a mechanic. Now I try to avoid it at all costs. But I've got lots of wrenches. But they didn't do me any good here. You want to see the wrench I used yesterday? Right there. I, it wasn't as effective as what I really wanted because I couldn't use the tool. That tool in my cabinet at home didn't do me any good yesterday. And by the way, that tool, uh, Bible study tools calendar, schedule, they don't do any good unless you use them. And let me encourage you to do so. They may be helpful to you in your walk with Christ. Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, chapter 13. I want to talk to you today about declaring the gospel. Declaring the gospel. I believe we often need a reminder about the importance of the declaration of the gospel. And this morning, early in this year, I want to take time to do so to remind us to keep that focus where it ought to be. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 26, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, To you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voice of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that is written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God, I love those two words, but God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them, which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. Let's stop here just for a moment. We're going to look at one more verse before we pray. But I want you to understand these words were spoken to a group of people not from a far-removed place or a far-removed time. These were people who understood there were witnesses that saw Jesus. By the way, they were still living. Many of them had met those that said, yeah, I saw Jesus after he rose again. I want you to understand the reality of this text to those who first received it. As we continue here, the Bible tells us, In verse 31, and he was seen many days of them which came up from Galilee to Jerusalem who are his witnesses unto the people. In verse 32, our text this morning. And we declare 
unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, and that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And let's pray together. Lord, we come together because of the gospel this morning. Lord, now for 2,000 years, Bible believers and followers of Jesus Christ have gathered together every Lord's Day, every Sunday, in remembrance of that empty tomb, that first resurrection morning. Lord, we gather connected because of the gospel. Lord, this morning we function, or we ought function as a church, for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to fulfill your purpose. I thank you for those, thy servants here this morning, who are obedient in that purpose. Lord, my prayer today, Lord, I pray you help us to be reminded God, would you give us that reset button today? God, would you help us to see the importance of the declaration of the gospel? Lord, would you work in hearts? Lord, I pray if there be one here this morning that knows you not in the pardon and forgiveness of sin, Lord, I pray that as we declare the gospel this morning, as your word is preached, your Holy Spirit of God, I pray you would convict hearts. I pray they would realize their need of a Savior, and I pray they would come believing, receiving today. Lord, I pray as believers that we would be about our Father's business in declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help me, Lord. Lord, it's so easy for us to focus on so many things. But God, as we begin early on in this year, this new year to serve you, Lord, would you help me in my mind, my heart, to keep your focus, our focus. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. Can I tell you that the word church on a sign, on a building, does not necessarily mean that is a place that preaches the gospel. And can I go a step further? The word Baptist on a sign, on a building, does not necessarily mean that place proclaims the gospel. And can I, can I go a little further and uh, hopefully not step too hard on your traditional toes this morning? Uh, the words independent fundamental Baptist on a building does not always mean that that place teaches and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ but it ought to mean so. It ought to mean so. We ought to be declaring the gospel. There are many today that are so far away from declaring the gospel, they're about as far away as a moose is from a mouse. Now, I, I've been close to moose, and I've been close to a mouse, and they are not the same. How many of you know that? Uh, there's a mouse. Where's Hannah Fallon? Hannah has a friend. Did you name him? The name we got a, a mouse that she. I think she brought the mouse to the church. Actually, I think that's the reality of it. 
But uh, there was a mouse that Hannah and the mouse had a conversation a few weeks ago. But uh, she hasn't been face-to-face to a moose yet, I don't think. Uh, they're different animals altogether. Can I tell you that this matter of proclaiming the gospel is a totally different animal than that of world religion, than that of Pharisaism that existed from the time of Christ and still does today. It is a totally different animal. Paul gives us three elements. Three elements God gave to him to remind us of what the gospel is. The gospel, number one, is the death of Jesus Christ. I selected, as I created the slides for the message this morning, I wanted to make sure that we had a reminder of the blood of Christ because there is no gospel without his death. There is no gospel without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary. It does not exist. We see the death of Christ, not only the death, but the burial. Verse 29, we're reminded of that burial. Can I tell you, they did take my Savior who died. They did lay him in that tomb and bury him. Three days, as he said, I'll give you the sign of the prophet, uh, Jonas, three days and three nights while I be in the belly of the earth. He was buried. By the way, a lot of people have been buried. I preached my first funeral in April of 1994. One week after I turned 19 years old, I stood at the head of a casket on a hillside across the road from the family farm behind a little country church as I preached a funeral for my grandfather. As that casket was lowered into the ground, from that day forward, I've preached many funerals. I've watched many caskets be lowered into the ground, but there is only one. There is only one funeral Only one that was buried who three days later rose again. Understand the gospel is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the death, it is the burial, it is the resurrection. That is the gospel. It says in verse 32 in our text, And we declare unto you glad tidings. We just a few weeks ago looked at Luke chapter 2, as we talked about those shepherds, as they received glad tidings, we see a parallel, the glad tidings uh, of the gospel to the glad tidings shared by the angels in Luke 2 and verse 10. And the angels said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The gospel, get this Christian, the gospel will work one-on-one. And the gospel will work in a stadium full of people. The gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ is the answer. God is the one who does the saving. It is the gospel that is the power for salvation. The greatest news you will ever hear, the greatest news ever told to man, is the news, the good news that Jesus Christ came, that he died, that he buried. He was buried and he rose again. There's no greater news. The greatest news, my pastor used to say often, the greatest news that you will ever hear is God loves you. 
God loved you so much that he came, that he died, was buried, and rose again to pay your debt. Too many churches have gotten away from the gospel. Too many who the name on the building looks right. But we've gotten away from declaring the gospel. We've gotten into religious programs, taking the forefront. We seem to have forgotten what Jesus said, and if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Can I tell you the purpose of the local church is not to get people to gather together. The purpose of the local church is not to have program for, programs for our children. The purpose of the local church is not to have youth activities and, and fellowships. And The purpose of the local church is to declare the gospel. And can I tell you that in declaring the gospel, Jesus said that he'll be lifted up, he'll draw all men to himself. That's the purpose. It is declaring the gospel. I want us to talk about just for a few moments this morning that thought in verse 32, if you look there again with me. And we declare unto you glad tidings how the promise which was made in the fathers God hath fulfilled. The same unto us their children and that he hath raised up Jesus again. Can I tell you that we need to declare the gospel but here's the problem. And I want to give you a few things this morning that would keep us from declaring the gospel. Can I tell you, these here in the book of Acts, they declared the gospel. They did not debate it. They did not debate it. Number one this morning, Christian, our job, your job, my job is not to debate the gospel. My job is to declare it. My, my job isn't to argue with people, it's to declare the gospel. There is no debate about the gospel. I, I, I don't know how many times I've had people want to argue with me about the gospel. I, I won't argue the gospel. I, I just won't do it. Because there's nothing to argue about. There are those, oh, the gospel only uh, works for this person or that person. Or, or if you've done this, the gospel doesn't work or it's not for you. So many different things. But can I tell you that the only thing that keeps the gospel from working is unbelief. Unbelief. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, uh, Jesus taught there that the only unforgivable sin is that of blasphemy, rejecting God's will, God's word, and God's spirit. Debating the gospel has become a pastime for a lot of people. A lot of people, their life is spent on YouTube. They, they believe that their job is to straighten people out on the gospel. That's not your job. I'm sorry, it's not your job. I'll tell you what your job is, is to declare the gospel. I've had a lot of people who want to argue the gospel with me. It's, it's, it's not effective, and that's not what you're called to do. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to proclaim the gospel. Christian, we need to realize we're, we're, not, we're not called to straighten people out, to fix everybody's problem. You're called as a believer in Christ simply to proclaim the truth of the gospel. 
I'm sure glad somebody proclaimed the gospel to me. Many of you came to Christ from religious backgrounds. I can guarantee you that you did not receive the gospel because somebody argued the gospel so well. You said, okay, you won the argument. I guarantee it. I know Brother Ahmad's testimony, Brother Ahmad who grew up a, a follower of Islam. Brother Ahmad did not receive Christ as a Savior because somebody had such a great argument for Jesus. He went, oh, yeah, well, I believe, yep, that makes sense. No, it's because he saw the reality of the gospel played out in the lives of people who loved him. That's it. Those that proclaimed the gospel to him rather than arguing with him showed him the love of Christ. And Christian, can I tell you, those around you, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, uh, those that don't agree with you, they don't need you to straighten them out. They don't need you to fix and debate with them. They just simply need you to declare the gospel. We, as a church, need to realize the value of simply declaring the gospel in our generation and our culture. John 10 tells us, The thief cometh not but to kill and to steal and destroy. Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life. And they might have it more abundantly. 1 Timothy 1.15 said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Sinners. And then Paul said, Of whom? I'm chief. He didn't come to save religious people. He came to save sinners. By the way, until you can get someone to understand that they are lost and in need of a Savior, they will not be converted to Jesus Christ. They will not, they will not receive the gospel. How many of you like to swim? How many of you like to go in the water? You like to swim? Brother Dave, if he's swimming out in a lake, and I jump out, go in the lake, and say, Hey, Dave, let me save you. Dave's going to punch me in the nose. He'll say, Leave me alone, preacher. I don't need your help. I'm a good swimmer. I can swim better than you can. Why are you coming and bothering me? Now, if we have somebody here who can't swim, how many of you can't swim? How many of you don't know yet? We'll do a test this afternoon. We'll throw, you, we'll throw Peter in the river today. Now, if he's there, help. I go to help him. Boy, he's going to grab a hold of me. Get me out of here. Save me. I can't swim. Because he knows he needs help. When we spend our life and our focus arguing the gospel, all we're doing is going to someone who says, I've got this. I don't need this. Leave me alone. May we simply proclaim the gospel. Debating the gospel doesn't change it, by the way. The Bible says, The angels said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You could argue that all you want. It doesn't change it. Let God be true. Let God be true in every man a liar. Number one, they declared it. They didn't debate it. May we make sure we don't try to debate it. May we simply declare the gospel. Number two, don't dilute it. Don't dilute it. How many of you remember, maybe some of you married couples, maybe some of you a little older, remember a time when you were struggling a little more financially than you are now? Remember those days? I remember my wife and I, when we were first married, I remember giving her, I think it was $40 a month for groceries. I said a month, by the way, not a, not a week, a month. 
That was back in 1996. Now, when you have $40 for a month of groceries, can I tell you, you don't get fancy stuff. You, you get pretty simple stuff. And during that time, I remember I had a bright idea. I thought, you know, milk, you know, if you buy skim milk, it costs so much. 1% costs so much. Whole milk costs so much. So what I did, I, I thought the, the, the wisest thing to do, we bought the whole milk, the whole, whole fat milk, and then we took two jugs. <laughs> Tastes better than skim milk. Uh, the only problem with that, somehow when you introduce water into it, how many have ever done that before? It doesn't last very long. It spoils real fast. But I remember we, I went through an experiment. I was trying to dilute the milk and make it last longer to save us a little bit of money. Uh, now, it wasn't effective because all it did was go bad quicker, and we had to buy just as much milk, but it was a great plan that we tried. But we tried to dilute it. We tried to cut it. Brother Darren told me the story about the church he grew up in, and they make juice in the church. He calls it church juice. You know, church juice, he said, is you take about 10 times more water than you're supposed to mix with the drink, Right? You mix it up so you can almost taste what it was supposed to taste like. We kind of dilute it, kind of make it a little thin, <laughs> kind of water it down a little bit. You know, we got more people coming over for lunch. Put some more water in the pot. Hopefully we'll thin it out and get it there. Christian, we need to make sure we don't dilute the gospel. We need to make sure we don't dilute it. Can I tell you, modern religion has diluted the gospel. The preachers, I use that in air quotes, on the television, for the most part, have diluted the gospel. They have changed and diluted the gospel message. It's Jesus plus. The Bible tells us in Acts 4, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. Many today, rather than proclaiming the gospel, have diluted it. And they diluted it by trying to add something to it. They've added works. Jesus plus works. By the way, the Bible says in Acts 15, and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. By the way, this is not a new phenomenon. This is not a phenomenon of the 21st century. It's been going on since the book of Acts. People trying to add to the gospel and diluting the gospel. Jesus plus water. There are those, I think of uh, Elizabeth O'Neill, I was talking about her this week, but the freezing called. Of course, she moved down, down there. I was talking about your mom. I was telling them all kinds of bad stuff about her. And uh, I'll never forget her coming down and shaking my hand during an invitation and saying, Pastor, I need to get, uh, I got baptized in the seven banana church or five banana church. I said, what in the world are you talking about? You're on drugs again. Get off drugs, Elizabeth. And I had talked about churches that taught you have to be baptized for salvation. And she had, she had gotten baptized uh, in a false religion, believing that was the, the way to salvation. And praise God, she got uh, scripturally baptized after she got saved. She got baptized in our baptistry in our old church. But there are many who say, well, you have to, have to add to. Can I tell you all that does is dilute the gospel? Or adding words. 
charismatic movement today. You know, you're not really saved until you finally, you know, you you, you say Yamaha, Suzuki, Alabaki, all those words. Uh, you speak in tongues. That, that then you're finally saved. They water down the gospel. Can I tell you, as Christians, we need to declare the gospel. As a church, may we declare it. May we make sure we don't dilute the gospel. Number three. Number three, we need to declare it. And here's a tough one for us today. Not delegate it. Not delegate it. It's good to have Brother Ocampo and his dear wife with us. Brother Ocampo has ministered in the Philippines for a lot of years. By the way, I'm going to be announcing the particulars of our couples banquet today, but it's talked to him. Brother Ocampo is going to be speaking for our married couples banquet in February. But Brother Ocampo will tell you what I'm saying is true. He's traveled to a lot of churches in the U.S. and in Canada. And this is the attitude of a lot of churches. Brother Campo, we're going to support you, so you go share the gospel. And then they say, our hands are clean. We, we've done the job. We're supporting a missionary. We're supporting a preacher that's sharing the gospel. Christian, we don't get to delegate the gospel. Rather, we are too, as the book of Acts tells us, to be witnesses unto both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. Not here, pick one. You delegate. This person goes there. Okay, my hands are clean. I don't have to declare the gospel. No, Christian, all of us, wherever we are, need to be declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God we can partner with and have a part in getting the gospel where we are not, but that does not eliminate the reality of the need for you and for me, not just the pastor. Uh, not just the evangelists, not just the missionaries, not just the Sunday school teachers, uh, not just the leaders, but all of us need to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every person, every person, everywhere. We all have a responsibility not to delegate, not to sin, but also to declare. Number four, we need to declare the gospel, not discard it. Not discard it. How many of you have ever been dumpster picking before? How many of you know what I mean by dumpster picking? How many of you have ever gotten something out of a trash can and taken it home? Just me? Am I the only one? How many of you have ever been to a dump and then you, the dumps today, you go to the dump, you, but Jim, you've probably been, you go to the dump, you, you see something good, man, I want to take that. They'll stop you. You have to, you have to be really sneaky. Talk to me, I'll tell you how to do it. But when my wife and I got married, we, we bought, I bought a home, only home I've ever bought. It was a 1961 mobile home, 9 by 50 tin can. Uh, and we moved into that little mobile home, and somebody, I can't remember the connection, someone gave us a couch, uh, someone gave us uh, coffee tables and end tables, my wife, when she came, uh, we got married. We got her bedroom suit from her uh, bedroom. We got a bed and dresser and all of that. So we had all the furniture we needed. The only thing we had to buy, we didn't have a kitchen table. The only furniture I ever bought then knew I bought a kitchen table. We had a small kitchen table, a couple of chairs. I never had a recliner. We came to Canada we didn't buy any furniture. 
From the time we got married until we came to Canada, I, bought, I did update and bought a new bedroom suit for, for us. And we had the old couch Carrie's mom and dad gave us their couches. How many of you remember those orange and yellow and brown floral print couches from the 70s? My mother and father-in-law probably don't love me very much. They gave us theirs. It's the couch that I proposed to my wife on in their living room, but we had that. Miss Lois, you remember that old couch in our living room? I didn't have a recliner. always wanted one, but I was too cheap to buy one. One day, about two years after I was in Canada, I was driving. Some of you remember, no, Brandon, Heather. Brandon lives down in Leduc now. Brandon, I was taking him home. He lived somewhere northeast in the city. And as I dropped him off, he was living in an apartment with a guy. And as we drove into the apartment, I looked, and on top of the dumpster in the middle of the apartment complex was this red maroon pleather recliner. I saw it. I had him help me load it up in my vehicle, tied it on top of the vehicle. Now, I took it home. Here's what I did. I put it in the middle of our garage left it there, sprayed it down with Lysol. I left it for a week to see if anything crawled out of it. Amen? And nothing crawled out. Uh, we cleaned it. I left it there, watched it. I knew it was good, brought it in the house. Uh, that was, uh, I rescued it. Someone, there was nothing wrong with it. I have no idea why it got thrown away. It was in perfectly good shape. But I, it was discarded by someone else, and I took it. Christian, sadly, we often are discarding the gospel. When you discard something, you discard it because you think it's not valuable. When you discard something, you discard it because you've realized you don't, you think you don't need it. It's like every man, every man in this room, let me tell you, almost guaranteed, almost to a man, every one of you men have probably done this. You've gone to make something. Maybe it was ramen. You take it out of the package, you look at the instructions. Maybe it's some other, some other meal, something. You start to make it, and then you realize, how long do I cook it for? Maybe it's frozen pizza. Take the pizza out. You go to put it in the oven. You throw the box away, the instructions away, and then what do you have to do? You go back to the, go back to the trash can. <laughs> how many minutes was I supposed to cook this for? <laughs> I, I didn't think I needed the instructions, but you got to find it. So often we discard that which is valuable. The gospel has been discarded in much of our world today. Many quote-unquote churches, and I use that word very loosely, have adopted a social gospel. Now I'm going to list some things that have been substituted for the gospel, and they've discarded the gospel before. I'm not saying these things aren't important. I'm saying they have made this the focus, and they've thrown away the gospel. They've made feeding the hungry the focus. And by the way, we need to care for those in need. I'm not saying we don't do that, but that's not the focus, the central focus of the local church. They've made clothing the naked, treating the sick, giving the poor, all those things good things, but that's not the main focus of the local church. And they've discarded proclaiming the gospel. Many have made a very low priority that of proclaiming the gospel. It's kind of the last thing on the list. It's kind of the... Uh, it doesn't really matter. It's not really important. If I took Brother Archie for lunch today, I'm not going to today, but if I did, I know we should. But anyway, if I took him for lunch and we went to a buffet, 
Just me and Archie. The angels would sing in heaven. Be glorious. You wouldn't want to watch. It'd be scary. But I have a feeling if he and I walked down the aisle of a buffet together and got our food, we might walk past the salad. We might get some. But we'd probably walk past it. We'd find the meat. We'd find the, uh, the stuff that's not good for you. Uh, we'd be eating up on that. We'd probably leave. Uh, now I might get like a little bite of salad. I might get a little few vegetables. Because I believe it or not, Pastor Rice likes vegetables. My wife will tell you that's true. But I, I'm probably not going to have all the good stuff. I'm going to, yeah, that's low priority. Now, for me, I, I'm not a, a real sweets guy. Now, Archie, you probably, you probably go right to the desserts. But I, I'm not a sweets guy. That's low priority for me. I'm a meat guy. Uh, man, if there's meat, that's my priority. There'll be some things in that buffet, tomatoes, Brother Freeze, and I'd leave those for you. I don't want them because only the devil likes them. Uh, they're, they're, they're not even on the radar. They're super low priority. Christian, may we be careful that we don't make proclaiming the gospel, declaring the gospel, such a low priority it never happens. And that's what's happening in 2023. It's not happening. Why? Because it's such a low priority. Such a low priority. Number five, we needed to declare the gospel, not decorate it. Not decorate it. I raised rabbit dogs when I was 16. Got my first rabbit dog. He was a stray that showed up on our farm. Tricolor beagle. Dad let me keep it. I named him Hank. I got another beagle someone had named her Lady. She was a phenomenal dog. Best beagle I ever had. But one plus one beagles equaled about ten beagles, Brother Mott. And I had some pups. I didn't have pups. I looked like I should give birth to pups. But I, I had some puppies. And I gave them away and I kept one. The one I kept was the runt of the litter. And I very, uh, you know, I'm such a thinker. I really thought hard on what to name it, so I named it Runt. And that little dog, my sister, babied that little dog. I would go out, and I would find my sister dressing up my rabbit dog. Now, it's a hunting dog. It's not, not, a, not a frilly dog, not a play dog. This is a hunting dog. I mean, a dog that's supposed to chase and bark, and then you kill something, and it licks the blood. You know, a rough, rugged hunting dog. I go out, and there's my hunting dog wearing a dress. Like, quit. I think she, I think she painted its nails one time. I'm like, don't decorate my dog. Don't soften up my dog. We try to decorate the gospel. We try to make it look appealing to the world. And when we do so, we fail. We fail miserably. When God dealt with sin on the cross of Calvary, it was a bloody death. It was not a pretty scene. If I try to eliminate the blood from the gospel and decorate it and make it palatable to the world, 
it makes it of none effect. No matter what some good men who, have, who are wrong have said, Jesus could not have just drowned and that been enough to save your soul. It wasn't just his death. I believe there's some very good men who are very wrong, who have misunderstood the Gospels. When you say that statement, you're saying, it's okay if we decorate the Gospel the way we want to decorate it. But the fact is, if we take away the reality of the blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we've not declared it, we've changed it. We've tried to decorate it by saying the the television preachers, I'm sorry, television preachers have said, you know what, if you if you just trust Christ, you're gonna get a new job and a new car and a new house. And you know, we've preached the the gospel of prosperity. We've tried to marry the gospel with what the world wants. I talked to Brother Ahmad the other day. He was he was fishing. What were you using for bait? Shrimp? How did I know that? Brother Maud was out on Star Lake. He took a little jig. I wasn't there, but I know what he did. He took a little teeny jig. He tied it at the end of his line. Then he took a piece of shrimp. Now, that shrimp would have been good some cocktail sauce, but you gave it to the stinking fish. And he put that little piece of shrimp on the hook, and he dropped the line down in the water five or six feet, and he waited. So, Pastor, how do you know this? Because I was talking to him when he caught a fish. He hung up on me because he had to get it out of the water. <laughs> and that trout came by and went, that looks pretty good. I'm going to eat that. Now, he made that hook look good to the trout. He baited the hook. Christians, can I tell you, we make a mistake when we try to bait the gospel. We try to bury the gospel inside of a placebo that is palatable to the world. We need to proclaim it. We need to proclaim it. You know, we, we've tried to make it pretty. Can I tell you, the gospel is not palatable to the world, but it is beautiful in the reality of what it does. How powerful. Lastly, Lastly, this morning, we need to declare the gospel, not deny it. Not deny it. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's very easy for us to deny the gospel today. We don't know what persecution is here in our world. I got a kick out of several a few years ago in the midst of COVID trying to say that as we were facing a great persecution in Canada. For the mod, I tried my best not to laugh at them in their face. We don't know what persecution is in this culture. It, it, it's, it's sad that we, we think that, you know, we, I, was, I, was, I had a hindrance in my life, so I'm persecuted. Whenever there are people today that will be let out with their arms behind their back and they will be killed publicly today. Today, January 8, 2023, somebody 
will die because of their faith in Christ. I'm sure of it. That's the reality of our world and places today. But we don't face that reality today. We may. We may. I'm afraid that many Christians today, when that comes to our land, oh yeah, I'm not really a Christian. I know. I, I just, I'm just like a social gathering. I'm not part of that. Like Peter. No, 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 no. I don't know Jesus. No, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of them. How quick? How quick would they deny? Quick illustration, I'll close. I, a story that I read 15 years ago, maybe 16 years ago, that I've never been able to shake the reality of the story. True story. Years ago, before the fall of the USSR, before the breakup and all that happened for the Cold War, there was a group of believers in the USSR meeting illegally, underground church. They had shades covering the windows. I believe they were in like a basement of a building. and They were down there holding a church service illegally. And as they began their service, soldiers came in the back door. Soldiers carrying their Kalashnikov rifles. Soldiers in the uniform. The Soviet uniforms. The lead soldier, there was two of them, said, we're here to kill Christians. You're meeting illegally. If you showed up here accidentally, we will let you leave. But if you're a Christian, you stay where you are. There were some who quickly said, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm not sure how I got here. I'm in the wrong place. And they walked out the back door, but many, most, in that small gathering, stayed where they were. After the last person left, the soldiers closed the door. And rather than opening fire on the crowd, they removed their uniforms. They laid down their guns. And they said, We've been looking for a group of real believers that we could worship with. I wonder how quickly we would deny the gospel in that same place. Christian, we need to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. The apostles did not deny Peter, as was, he was hanged upside down, did not deny. If you look at the lives of those, they gave their lives for the gospel. They did not deny. Christian, may we not deny, but may we declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, this morning, if you're here and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I declare to you the truth that God loves you? 
that Jesus Christ left heaven, the Son of God, became flesh and dwelt amongst us for 33 years. He laid down his life on Calvary's tree. He who was perfect and sinless and spotless and pure and holy became sin for you and for me and died on that cross and was buried and rose again the third day so that you might receive eternal life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you call on him today? That's the gospel. Not becoming a member of a church, not being a good person, not doing good works, believing what Jesus did, the death, the burial, and resurrection. You can be saved today. You can believe him today. Christian, may we declare the gospel. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray this morning that we as a church, Lord, as we begin this wonderful new year you've given us, if you tarry, you're coming. Lord, may we keep the focus declaring the gospel. Lord, in every ministry and every aspect and facet of the ministry here, Lord, may we keep proclaiming, proclaiming the message of Christ. Lord, I pray you'd help us this morning. Lord, as we examine our lives, the focus of our lives, the focus of our church, God, we've been guilty, probably, all of us, of doing the wrong thing with the gospel. God, help us to be committed afresh and anew this morning to declaring it. And Lord, I pray if there's one here today that doesn't know that they're ready to stand before a holy God, one that does not know that they are saved, they're born again, Lord, I pray this morning they would come believing the gospel as it's been declared today. Lord, help us. May your will be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Brother Royce, would you come lead us? Let's take our hymnals. We'll turn to number 131. And we'll stand together as we sing hymn number 131. Jesus paid it all. I heard the Savior say, My strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. On the third, for nothing good have I, whereby thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's On the last, and when before the throne I stand in him complete.
Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He And you can be standing just for a moment. Stay up here if you would. Uh, just a quick announcement. We're going to baptize in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, I want to make an announcement in preparation for after the service. Today is Colton's birthday. He's 24 years old today. And he bought a present for everybody. No, I, well, you didn't buy a present for everyone. Oh, he's shaking his head no. Uh, but we have, I believe, we have cake. Is that right? Is there a cake somewhere? I thought I heard there was cake. Oh, there is a cake. There it is. Uh, Jerice has it uh, back there. Uh, let's go ahead and sing happy birthday to Brother Colton. Uh, is that a firework on top, Brother Jerice? Light that firework up. Light, he, he's got his, his respirator on, so. All right. You want to come lead us in happy birthday? Are we going to get this lit? Or? Almost there. Anybody have a crack pipe? Anybody got a blowtorch? Anybody got a lighter? <laughs> Let's pretend this is lit. <laughs> there we go. Through the wonders of editing. Caleb, can you make this lit? <laughs> All right. Are you coming up? Come up here, Colton. Just pretend that it's, uh, sorry about it. It's, it's, it's sparkly. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Woo! Happy birthday. 